15. I'm being brave, not perfect, but going first. Um, so I was 33 years old when I first learned to be brave. From the time I was a little girl, I wanted to change the world. My father, no matter how tired he was, would come home and he would sit me on his lap and he would talk to me about Dr. King, Mahatma Gandhi, Eleanor Roosevelt. But at 33 years old, I found myself working as a lawyer in finance, so basically the opposite of changing the world. <laughs> and I was miserable. Every night I would come home to a very large glass of wine, well, maybe two glasses of wine, and I remember one day, my best friend calls me. And it's funny how your best friend calls you every time when your life is falling apart. And I took her phone call and I went into this windowless conference room and I just started to cry. And you know, she said to me, just quit. And I was like, I can do that? And so I did. And at 33 years old, I decided to run for United States Congress against a woman who had been there for 18 years because I thought that that was a great idea. <laughs> I swore that I would shake every hand, meet every vo voter, and I would win. And I remember on election day, I was sitting there in my victory party that never ended up happening, holding my father's hand, watching those election returns come in. And that little ticker was not moving past 19% of the vote. I had lost. I had spent like $1.4 million on 1,000 votes. Do not do the math. <laughs> I was broke. I was humiliated. I had pissed off the Democratic establishment. And I had no contingency plan. But as I went to bed that night, the thought that I kept thinking was, oh my god, I'm not broken. I'm not broken. Because you see, for most of my life, I thought that if I did something, if I tried to do something, if I took a risk, if I failed, that it would literally break me. And you see, it's because from the time that we are young, we raise our girls to be perfect, and we raise our boys to be brave. I want to show you a little clip about lemonade you can see what I'm talking about. I've been just sitting here making sure that this lemonade was ready for everybody, but I kind of wanted your help, uh, giving it a bit of a taste, and you can tell me how he thinks I love lemonade. Is that alcoholic? No, it's lemonade. No, alcohol! What they don't know is that the lemonade has been spiked with a secret ingredient, a pinch of salt. This lemonade task is a classic way of measuring empathy. First up, it's the boys. Are they going to tell the truth, or will they lie so they don't hurt Kate's feelings? Mm. Oh, no. That is disgusting. What? <laughs> what, you don't like it? No. What do you mean? It's too sweet. It's too sweet, and I'm going to sit tonight. <laughs> I can't have any more subs. I'm not having any more that stuff. Looks lovely. <laughs> oh! That is really disgusting. <laughs> Are you sure you sure you don't want any more? Makes me sick. I just don't want to drink it. So the boys didn't mince their words. Now for the girls. 
Alice, Tiara and Sienna join Kate outside. Have a taste now, so off you go. There's a clear difference between boys and girls when it comes to empathy. As early as three to four months old, Girls tend to be better than boys at reading emotions. The girls are clearly thoughtful about Kate's feelings. So, you know, the researchers talk about this in terms of empathy. But I think what's really going on is perfectionism. You know, from the time that we are little girls, little, around eight years old, we do this calculation. Should I tell you what I think? really think, or should I tell you what is going to make you happy? And this really starts on the playground. You know, we see our boys and we tell them to crawl to the top of the monkey bars and just jump. But with our girls, we're like, be careful, honey. Don't swing too high. Is your dress dirty? Let me go get the diaper bag and clean you up. Did you take that toy away from her? Give it back. And as girls get older, they get addicted to perfection. And they start giving up before they even try. Studies will show that when women declare a major in college, if they get a B instead of an A in an introductory level course, they drop out. Whereas boys are like, I got a B. This is amazing. And I see this in technology all the time. I teach girls to code, and a computer science teacher was telling me that when the boys are struggling with the assignment, they'll literally come into the prof professor and they'll say, the computer's broken, the computer's broken. And the women come in and they say, I'm broken. Something is wrong with me. And you see, this perfectionism is causing two things. One, it's causing us to be unhappy. Women are twice as likely to be depressed as men. And so much of this has to do with the fact that we literally let our ideas die on the vine. All of us in this room, there's something that we wanted to do. Maybe we wanted to start a business, or maybe we didn't want to have that second child. And then we convince ourselves to not do it or to do it. And then we see other people doing the very thing that we told ourselves that we didn't have the bravery to do. And it leaves us with regret and envy, and it literally causes a pit in our stomach that we can't get rid of. The second thing that perfectionism is doing is that it's made, making us feel like we have to wait to be perfect until we can lead. You all may have heard that stat that shows that men will apply for a job if they meet 60% of the qualifications. Women, 100%. We won't apply for a job unless we meet 100% of the qualifications. 
You know, in the United States, we're doing a lot of celebrating about the women in Congress, but it's still only 25%. We had no new Fortune 500 female CEOs this year. Wherever you look, Silicon Valley, Main Street, Wall Street, we are not leading. And I think the solution to that is bravery. I think that bravery is the anecdote to perfection. I think that bravery brings you joy. Now, I'm not talking about bravery on the biggest stage. I'm not talking about the fact that there are six women running for United States president or the fact that we have seen powerful men taken down by Me Too. I'm talking about everyday bravery. I'm talking about the courage that when you're walking down the street and someone bumps into you, for you not to say, I'm sorry. I'm talking about the courage that when your friend asks you to babysit her cat and you don't have time, that you feel like you can say no. You know, the bravest thing that I did for myself recently was not running for office. It was going to the gym. After I had my son, I could not lose the baby weight. And as, this, as a CEO, the best time for me to go to the gym was at 7.30. But that's when my dog, Stanley, was looking at me being like, really? And my son wanted to wake up. But I had to have the courage to walk out that door and say, you know what? You guys figure that out. That's the type of bravery that I'm talking about. And I believe, you know, bravery, it's a muscle. We focus so much on our bodies, drinking, you know, drinking that green juice, not eating gluten, not eating dairy. But what we need to focus on is our mind, wellness for our mind. And I believe a brave, not perfect practice does exactly that. So I'm going to give you some strategies. Here's the thing. The first thing is, is you cannot be brave if you are tired. Every woman I know is exhausted. We're exhausted. So we need to sleep. We need to rest. We need to go for a walk. We need to stop putting off that doctor's appointment because it feels too selfish for us to go. The second thing we need to do is we need to practice imperfection, whatever that means for you. So for a lot of women, practicing imperfection means sending an email with a typo in it. No emojis, no explanation points. Just say what you want to say and be direct. And don't worry if it comes off as being rude or not nice. Maybe practicing imperfection means bringing store-bought cookies to your son's birthday party, right? Or going to the supermarket without a full face of makeup on. But just try it. Try not to be perfect every single day. The second thing is, is do something you suck at. Yes. Do something you suck at. And the men in this room, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Most of you have something you like to do, football, golf, fantasy football. You're not good at it. You just like it, right? Just like it. You enjoy it. You enjoy being mediocre at something. It doesn't bother you. For most of us women, we don't have that. Everything we do, we have to do it well or why even bother? Most of us won't even go to the gym until we're fit. That doesn't make sense. The third thing is, just start. Just start. Take one step. I lead a global movement to teach girls to code, and I do not code. I do not code. <laughs> I do not code. But I had an idea, and I just went on GoDaddy, and I bought the URL. Whatever it is for you in your life, just take one step. And you're probably going to take one step too far. For the men in this room, you're in this movement too. I think that it's never been a better time to be a woman. 
And so much of that has to do that we have incredible men who are standing there in solidarity with us in this moment where they want a better world too. And so I want courage to be contagious for you too. Support that woman to take a step to be brave. Encourage her to do something that she thinks that she cannot do. We've never had a better opportunity right now to start thinking about us. Join my bravery revolution. Join the movement to take on everyday courage. And I promise you, you will be joyful and the world will be a better place. Thank you.